Hello, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us for today's AIWA Los Angeles uh, very, very special event. Uh, my name is Ken. I'm the events program chair. Our session chair, Dr. Jeffrey Pruchel, with Raytheon, uh, is a little bit tied up these days, so he's not going. Uh, he uh, apologized. He cannot join us today. Uh, so he asked me to welcome everyone uh, and uh, to start the event today. Uh, so basically, we'll have a few introductions. So uh, for AIWA, so this is a great opportunity uh, to build uh, the bridge and uh, 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 reach out to each other. So that's today's program. Uh, so let's. So before I talk, let's first thank the AIWA National Office which is located in Reston, Virginia, uh, next to Washington, D.C. Uh, the kind kindly provide this very nice Zoom platform. Uh, so really appreciate. And uh, this event is being recorded and it will be posted online. Uh, and uh, uh, all the registrants uh, attendees will receive, receive an email for the, the link to the recording. Uh, if somehow got disconnected, uh, please keep trying to reconnect. And uh, if you have bandwidth issue, please try the dial in. Uh, in the uh, confirmation email, there is a, a link. You can check the local dial in number. Uh, so please sign and use your, na your name uh, so people can chat each other. And uh, those events are also networking events. So there's a good opportunity to network with each other. Uh, but for the question to all the speaker, please type in the Q&A or wait till the end of the presentation uh, to be unmuted. Uh, you can click raise hand and then you will be unmuted. You can start the interactive uh, questioning or, or uh, bring your commands to the speaker. Uh, so the security and privacy uh, have been much improved, but please don't talk about any personal information or any sensitive defense or those kind of information. Uh, a few words about Los Angeles and Las Vegas area. Uh, as you know, this area is heavily aerospace populated. So we have company Northrop Grumman uh, doing the James Webb Space Telescope, which is going to be launched very soon. Very exciting. And uh, they also involve Super Hornet and uh, the Grouder uh, manufacturing and design, uh, those things. And uh, we have company doing sustainable aviation, hybrid aircraft, and uh, the very exciting JPL, NASA JPL on the Mars 2020 Perseverance and Mars helicopter. And of course, SpaceX, uh, very exciting international space station, starships, starting those things, and Virgin Galactic. Uh, and uh, also people like Aerospace Corporation for defending uh, us from the, you know, asteroid threats and uh, also the space debris. And uh, many students here doing very good jobs, and uh, hopefully we can uh, reach out build the connection with the uh, student branches over there as well. So we routinely doing event uh, uh, to keep everybody informed and the network together. Uh, so, so example, we happy happy hour, then we have a celeb celeb celebration for the Tusky Airman, and uh, for Erica, also have events workshop and many things. Uh, so uh, we're trying to keep everybody, uh, you know, engaged with AWA. We also have network. Uh, sorry, 
newsletter opportunities. So you are welcome to submit your articles uh, to us, then we we'll review and then we can post it. And you don't have to be a member to uh, submit your uh, articles. Um, uh, we have student articles and articles, uh, uh, very top pro profile people. For example, Dr. Dan Raymer here uh, is a uh, uh, contributes to a very, very wonderful paper, uh, article and uh, some advice to the students, young generation as well. And uh, we also post this um, in the AIWA channel on YouTube and also on podcast. Uh, welcome to listen to, to, the, to those. And uh, we also encourage aerospace art uh, and uh, that include the photography and uh, many different things. And uh, you also got the chance to get um, um, member stop spotlight. Uh, so for example, here you can see upper right, that's Colonel Pestana. Uh, uh, upper left, that's uh, our um, uh, Michelle Rauch, he's the section chair in uh, Tucson, uh, AIWA section over there. And the lower left was our honorary, honorary fellow, uh, Professor Speyer. Uh, uh, so it's a good opportunity. And once you join the member, you can immediately start to log in and enjoy the Engage platform, uh, which is free. And uh, you can start to talk to other member experts around the world. And they have mentor mentorship uh, page and the career opportunities there as well. And uh, once you're a member, you'll receive the uh, daily lunch from AIWA uh, with a lot of insider stories and possible opportunities. And there's also the, the very great magazines, Aerospace America, free to all the AIWA members. And if you're a member, you enjoy great discount for AIWA conferences. There are different level of membership, but if you are a student, you enjoy discount for the transition rates uh, in the first four years becoming the professional membership. And we also have educated membership with free. And if we're working in a company that happen to be AWA corporate member, uh, you might be covered for your uh, annual membership fee. There are different level of membership. Uh, this is very good attraction and uh, very good things for, for AWA member. Uh, we encourage you to do good jobs and you got opportunity to be nominated for awards and advance uh, your membership level. Uh, for example, Dr. Daniel Raymer here is our very distinguished AWA fellow. Uh, then you can, uh, you know, people say, for example, uh, the SpaceX, Mr. is our associate fellow. And uh, Mr. George Whiteside of Virgin Galactic is also our associate fellow. And uh, we recognize the membership anniversary in our events. Uh, so on May 27, we have a Mars 2020 Paris Landing event. So we recognize a member with um, years of membership. Uh, so this, uh, we, we cherish the member members and uh, please stay with us. So typically we also ask the new member to uh, speak out during the event, uh, but today because it's a special event, so we'll uh, go more uh, directly go to the professor's presentation. So uh, if you are a member, you got a chance to be nominated for 
the awards, you know, publications, best paper, students, educator, lecture, many things. So, and for even for your services. For example, this is another example. This is the Dr. Paul Belavacqua. He was uh, inventor of the F-35 supersonic V uh, S-TOW strike fighters engine. Uh, so you got nominated for the Daniel Guggenheim Medal Awards. This is uh, Mr. Fujino of Honda, and he got the awards of AIAA, just for some example. And we also reach out for the room school system. For example, Ms. Kushbu Patel, who is working with his space right now, is uh, our uh, STEM, STEM K-12 outreach uh, officer to reach out to the school classrooms. And the other we have national forums. You can see all those five that th these are our flagship uh, forums nationally. And you got down if you are a LWA member. Um, so our, as a local chapter section, uh, we have been uh, diligently providing the members and the public a uh, great opportunity to to hear and listen and network to each other. Uh, so this event on April 17th, New Space Mini Conference, uh, Dr. Dan Raymer presented his paper uh, publi uh, published earlier this year on his uh, very exciting manned Mars airplane. Uh, he is getting international uh, collaboration and recognition support for uh, this effort. And we also very exciting Juno talk by G JPL. Uh, speaker, and you just saw the news, very exciting, the fly by Organimate, and I see a lot of um, asteroid impact uh, side, it's very, very exciting. And we have Virgin Orbit, uh, and also we have uh, Clean Aviation, and uh, Ingenuity Mars Helicopter Event, so upper left, Dr. Jeffrey Purcell is our section chair from Raytheon. And the lower left is Ms. Mimi Ang. He is the director of the Ingenuity Mars Helicopter. And the Aaron lower right is the uh, deputy director of the uh, EDL landing uh, in our team. And Dr. Jeff Long was a ro robotic in, uh, expert in the team. He was operating and designed the uh, uh, Ingenuity Mars helicopter. So as you saw, this Wright Brothers field is ultra exciting. It's a landmark for aerospace. In March, uh, May 15, we have Professor Jakowski talking about Mars uh, terraforming and the climate uh, atmosphere. He was the uh, Maven spacecraft principal investigator. And in the happy hour, we have students presenting their 3D model design and they'll have uh, many aerospace engineer and uh, enthusiasts talking about uh, their thoughts about human space fry, um, commercial space fry thing. Then we have this game like semi-impersonal meeting place, which is fun. Uh, so please join us. And June 7th, I'll have another one on the AIAA Los Angeles Las Vegas section, Mars space is virtual, but it's, uh, um, just think we, we are on Mars on the, uh, in the AIAA Los Angeles Vegas virtual base over there. And the nuclear propulsion is a very important topic. 
Uh, so we have several events and the Colonel Shortis uh, explained his uh, experience with national engineering and uh, how to decide what's the criterion sending human to Mars with nuclear power. And uh, May 27, as, say, as I said, uh, we recognize several members with many years anniversary membership. And upper left, you see Mr. Alan Chen, he's the director of the um, um, EDL uh, landing for the uh, Mars 2020 Perseverance. You probably see him and another uh, lady from India, India uh, that uh, they were all everywhere in the uh, video for Perseverance. They talk about the, the landing difficulties and how to overcome them. Uh, very, very exciting. And then that Saturday, we have former Boeing uh, expert talking about how he went out to black box in any of the aircraft incidents. And he uh, shared his experience of how to make aircraft safe. And then we also have uh, emphasized the workforce so we have this, uh, these uh, uh, experts from Department of Labor and uh, this uh, uh, robotic institute of the Industry Zero and how to involve aerospace uh, industry and worker into uh, uh, get into ready into that direction. Okay, so we are really truly honored and uh, uh, pleased to um, uh, have Professor Rajkumar Pant to speak to us today. He's a distinguished scholar over there. Uh, he's with Aerospace Engineering Department in the IIT Bombay uh, in Mumbai, uh, India. He, he has been a member of faculty, of faculty of Aerospace Engineering Department at the India Institute of Technology Bombay since December 1989. He has also worked for five years in Hindustani Aeronautic Limited in the Design and Engineering Department. Professor Pan is alumnus of Aeronautics, Cranfield University, UK, where he earned his PhD under Commonwealth Scholarship Scheme and the Indian Institute of Technology, Madras, where he obtained his master's in aeronautical engineering. Has published and presented more than 245 scientific papers of which more than 180 are in international journals and conferences. He was a visiting faculty for a year each at uh, Nanyang Technology University in 2016 and Virginia Tech in 2010 to 11. He has also carried out several short-term assignments at several top-ranking institutes and universities all over the world, such as uh, Instituto Tecnico de Aeronautica Brazil in 2012, Texas A&M University in 2011, Cambridge University in 2008, and the Imperial College London in 2006. In 2012, he was appointed as special visiting researcher and the Science Without Borders program of the Brazil government for a, a three-year project. Uh, he was honored with the D.P. Joshua Exton Teacher Award in 2014 in recognition of his merit, achievements, and enthusiasm for teaching and making a lasting impression on students. In 2019, he was felicitated by Institute of Engineers India as an eminent engineering personality in aerospace engineering. 
Recently, he ha has received special recognition in academic excellence as in faculty national category award by Institute, Institution of Engineers in India. Um, also with us is uh, Dr. Daniel Raymer. Uh, we got the uh, uh, invitation uh, for uh, successfully uh, uh, through Dr. Daniel Raymer's uh, help. And uh, he will talk a, a, few, a little bit about his uh, interaction with Professor Pant. Uh, so Dr. Daniel Raymer is our di distinguished Edelberg Fellow. He's the president of Conceptual Research Corporation. And uh, he is a recipient of the prestigious AIAA Aircraft Design Award. He's a recognized expert in the area of aerospace vehicle design and the configuration layout, uh, computer-aided design methodologies, and design education. During his 10 years in the advanced design department of Rockwell, uh, the North America, previous North American aviation, he conceived and did the layout design of Rockwell's entry in what became the F-22, B-2, and the T-45 program. And he was the head of air vehicle design for X from blank sheet, blank sheet of paper, cat screen to the config, configuration that flew with mirror fabrication driven changes. His industry career includes position as director advanced design with Lockheed, director of future missions at Aerojet Propulsion Research Institute, and a project manager engineering at Rockwell North America Aviation. He also served as research engineer and the aerospace design consultant at the famous RAND Corporation Think Tank. Uh, he's the author of the best-selling textbook, Aircraft Design, a Conceptual Approach, and the well-regarded layman's book, Dan Raymer's Simplified Aircraft Design for Home Builders. His newest book, Living in the Future, The Education and Adventure of an Advanced Aircraft Designer, cover his career and his design project, including most of those described below. Dr. Raymer has received both Rockwell Engineer of the Year and the AIAA Summerfield Book Awards and was recently made fellow American, uh, basic fellow of AIAA. I think it's, it's uh, not really, it's already a few years already. Uh, Dr. Raymer teaches a variety of advanced design short courses, including the well-known five-day aircraft conceptual design short course, which has been attended by over 3,000 engineers to date. Dr. Raymer is open former, uh, forum speakers at the EAA AirVenture Oshkosh. Uh, he received his bachelor degree and master engineering degree in aeronautics and astronautics from Purdue, and the MBA from the University of Southern California, and a doctor of engineering degree from uh, Swedish Royal Institute of Technology, KTH. He is also repeat recipient of the Purdue University Outstanding Aerospace Engineer Award when to honor those alumni who have distinguished themselves in the aerospace industry. Dr. Dan Raymer is listed in both who is who in America and who is who in science engineering. Uh, so let's welcome Dr. Daniel Raymer and Professor Punt. Yes, uh, he hello everybody. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry that such a long resume of me was, uh, was read. I didn't realize that would happen. Thank you, Ken. But this is, uh, this is Dr. Pence day uh, and uh, we'll get to him in just a, just a moment. Let me just say a couple of words. First of all, all of you engineers out there, really join AIAA. You really should. It's great for your career and it's also fun and get involved with local section activities 
uh, call, call Ken if you don't have any other idea, but uh, get involved with local section activities and then uh, move your way into national activities like technical committees. It really is a great thing for your career. Uh, I was asked by Ken to give this talk, a talk about what they're doing over in India because he knows that I've taught short courses over there uh, and have some involvement over there. And my reply was, well, why, why have me do it? Let's get an expert to do it. And so I suggested Dr. Pat, and I've known Dr. Pat for 20 or 30 years, I guess. Uh, and he is heavily involved in uh, aircraft conceptual design, uh, lighter than air aircraft design, which you can see with the picture behind him right now, uh, and all sorts of similar activities. And he's also been heavily involved with the AIAA. I see him very often at AIAA meetings. Uh, and he's extremely well connected over in India because he's a senior professor teaching aircraft design at one of the main universities in India. And they have a tremendous uh, interest in aerospace. Uh, and so uh, I think he was exactly the right person to give this talk. Uh, and he was able to get information and support from all, uh, all parts of India. Uh, and I'm looking forward very much to hearing what he has to say today. So uh, Dr. Pant, uh, over to you. And we all look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you so much, Dan. It's always a pleasure to uh, be with you. Uh, I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to uh, start off by showing you my presentation. Okay, so just a confirmation is needed that everything is visible. Then I can go ahead. Yes. Okay, right. Uh, so, uh, friends, uh, a very good morning to those of you who are in the US and I also see that there are a large number of my associates, uh, senior members of uh, aerospace industry in India, both working and retired as well as some students. Uh, today we are going to look at uh, a collage of projects that are happening in India and also we will try to peek at the future. Uh, the future as you know is very uncertain because uh, COVID-19 is an example of, you know, something that none of us imagined would happen. Maybe two years ago, there was no inkling that something like this will happen. So therefore, I'm a bit wary about predicting what happens in the future. Uh, this is going to be the layout of my presentation today. Uh, I have decided to only focus on very specific uh, aspects of the aviation scene or the aerospace scene in the country. And... Uh, <clears throat> For those of you who are probably concerned that a professor is speaking to you from an institute, I have some good news for you that there are no equations in this presentation. It's only photographs and a few words here and there. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that would reassure many of you. Uh, let's take a little bit look at how the aerospace industry has grown in the country over the years. And based on my own understanding and appreciation, I divide it into two parts, uh, the pre-1990s period uh, and the post-1990 period. So if you look at the pre-1990s period, the aerospace activities in India were limited only to the public sector or the sector that is controlled by the government or uh, companies that come directly under the government ambit. Okay, so mostly we were doing license production there were a few indigenous design efforts, but very few and very limited. The whole focus was 
trying to get a proven airframe or a system from an established manufacturer and try to uh, build it under license in India. And uh, in the beginning of our association, we were having very strong and major partnerships with the Soviet Union. And almost everything was done in-house in any of the aerospace industries. So, you know, we started doing everything in-house. Somewhere in 19, early 1990s, uh, the country actually underwent a change in our economic uh, scenario. So the aviation sector was uh, opened up for the private sector, but unfortunately, there weren't major projects till about 1993. Uh, so it was realized that the private sector will not be able to simply take up an activity and create aerospace products because they don't have any experience and they have not been really nurtured. Uh, so therefore, a lot of public sector organizations began hand-holding the private, the, the private sector by giving them small components and systems to be indigenized. And then slowly and slowly, they acquired the knowledge and the experience and the confidence. Uh, the major aerospace manufacturing uh, company in the country is Hindustan Aeronautics Limited, where I've spent five years of my career. The first five years of my professional life were in Hindustan Aeronautics Limited, and they also had sponsored my master's degree. So I am deeply indebted to them. They decided in early 2000 that a target of 30% of the outsourcing of its components to the private sector would be done. And that gave a very huge boost uh, to the indigenous production. And I'm going to talk about a couple of projects which really push the envelope completely. So somewhere in the mid 2000s, it was realized that the public sector organizations would better be lead system integrators, whereas the components and sub-assemblies and maybe some assemblies would be better done by the private sector. So a nice public-private partnership sort of started to getting developed in the country. And that has led to a lot of uh, involvement of the private sector, as I will talk about it today. Let's have a look at what kind of projections are there for the country, both in the aerospace defense and the civil aviation sector. Looking at the aerospace defense side first, the total defense budget of India has been constantly increasing and I have put these numbers in billion US dollars in the red color for your own convenience. And the numbers in black are in the Indian currency. So you notice that from about 48 billion USD in 2016-17, our defense budget has climbed to nearly one and a half times to 64 and odd billion dollars in 2021. And uh, because of the precarious situation in which we are located, we might have to continue with the same kind of a trend. On the civil aviation side, there is also a consistent projection for growth of the civil aviation market in the country. Yes, there was a glitch in 2020 because of COVID-19, just like everywhere in the world, in India also, we um, saw a huge dip. But uh, estimates are that in 2024 or so, we would recover back to the original growth. And uh, in 2040, it's expected that there will be about, uh, you know, 300 million odd foreign 
uh, international travelers and 821 million domestic travelers. So the market will be pushed and driven mostly by the domestic market. And that is why there is a very clear initiative uh, in the minds of the powers that be that we should go for addressing our domestic market requirements by indigenous development of aircraft about which I will speak very briefly. So if you look at the aerospace companies in the India, these are the ones that came to my mind as the major contributors from the public sector and I'll talk about each of them very soon. But as I mentioned, there are uh, quite a few defense companies in the private sector which have started. I, with a limited time available and also with the limited information available to me, I am restricting to only these uh, five or six companies today. But in the end, as I'm going to tell you, there are uh, more than a hundred startups in the unmanned aerial vehicle sectors. There are several startups in the private space and satellite sector. So let's first look at what has been done, what is being done and what is planned by the companies which are in the government or the public sector. Uh, and we should start with space technology because uh, space technology is where India has made its mark globally. And uh, the first uh, agency I would like to talk about is the Indian Space Research Organizations or ISRO for short. Uh, this was formed 21 years after India indep uh, obtained independence in 1969 and till date we have flown more than 110 uh, spacecraft missions and the book is very very tight. There is a lot of entries in the plans. Uh, there have been 80 launch missions. There have been 12 student satellites including the one from my institute uh, called as Pratham which stands for the first and now our team is working on what is called as Advitiya, uh, which means outstanding, you know, which cannot be duplicated. There have been two re-entry missions and there have been also a launch of 342 satellites. Uh, we had a record of launching more than 104 satellites in one launch, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, ISRO is not a very large organization, keeping in mind the activities, around 17,000 employees, but it is heavily vested in the private sector as I will talk about in the later stages. One of our very popular and very famous missions is the MOM mission or the Mars Orbiter mission, which we call as Mangalyan, Mangal being the Indian name for Venus, for Mars, sorry. So this is India's first venture in interplanetary space, which was launched a few years ago. And uh, the idea was to go for exploring the atmosphere and looking at the morphology and neurology of the surface of Mars. And uh, we actually tried a very, very innovative uh, launch technique to reach uh, the orbit. Okay. Uh, now, the plan is to go uh, for a crew module atmospheric reentry experiment or CARE mission. Uh, this is going to be, this was the first suborbital flight uh, which was launched in 2014. And uh, there were many objectives of this mission and those missions, uh, you know, they are looking at flight validation, looking at overall integration of the system. So this is something that uh, we are really looking forward to. <clears throat> the, you know, the bulwark of Indian space program actually happens to be the Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle or PSLV as we call it. Uh, then there was a Chandrayaan mission that took place recently. Uh, unfortunately, 98% of the mission was successful and copybook and exactly up to uh, what we were expecting. 
but we had a problem in the last uh, you know phase when our lander was uh, not able to arrest its uh, descent and land safely so it was later on located but we were not able to land the vikram lander and hence the pragyan rover which was supposed to move on the surface also did not uh, however that did not deter us and we are back on schedule to take it forward and there is a plan to uh, go forward with this mission another interesting thing that we have done is uh, developed our own regional uh, navigation satellite system is our own local gps you can call it uh, this provides standard provisioning services and i'm happy to share that now uh, navic is also compatible with many of the aviation operations in the country so many of the airlines uh, can also use navic as one of their uh, guidance uh, schemes for approaching there are many many applications of our own uh, navic uh, system and uh, we are very upbeat about it and we feel that as we add more and more satellites we are going to get much better and more accurate coverage and this will be very much useful for our own strategic applications apart from the civilian applications also uh, going ahead uh, we are very upbeat about our human space flight program which was initiated in 2007 and it is expected that by next year or so maybe it will be pushed little bit further because of the uh, current pandemic situation uh, the gslv mark 3 is our launch vehicle for this and the spacecraft will be called as gaganyaan and uh, many of my students in fact um, the chairman of isro currently is also an alumnus from our department and there are many other students who are uh, actively involved in uh, applications both within the country and also abroad in the human space flight program uh, so much for the space program let's quickly go on to the aircraft technology which is more uh, an area in which i am familiar uh, in the aircraft technology as i mentioned the the champion of aerospace industry in our country is the hindustan aeronautics limited which was established as a private company in 1940 even before the independence uh, said walchand hirachand it's the oldest and the largest aerospace defense manufacturer uh, it produces a variety of uh, things the landscape is very very large and uh, as of last year april it had around 28000 employees but hal i believe is now on a hiring spree because a huge uh, order has been received from the indian air force uh, to supply the indigenously developed uh, tejas aircraft so uh, after a long time i saw that a large number of uh, posts were advertised for young engineers to join hal as i mentioned i have spent 5 years in this organization at two divisions uh, i started my career working on the uh, transport aircraft division located in kanpur where we were manufacturing uh, the aircraft that you see in the bottom the dornier 228 uh, under license from germany and also we were looking at uh, a few other aircraft about which i will speak these products that you see in the screen are the ones which have been licensed production okay but there are also several aircraft subsequently which have been taken up for indigenous development you can see there are three helicopters and there are a few more which are going to be shown but uh, i'll not go into the history of hal because we are looking at present and future uh, the 
creme de la creme of Indian uh, defense uh, is the Tejas program or the light combat aircraft. Okay, this was developed by the Aeronautical Development Agency, a special purpose company that was set up within the uh, Indian public sector in, uh, domain to focus on this single engine multi-role fighter aircraft. Uh, we were deeply honored to witness the first flight on 4th of January in 2001 in Bengaluru. And really it brought tears to our eyes because this project was actually thought of when I was a final year undergraduate student. In 1983, we started hearing about the Indian light combat aircraft, but there were many ups and downs, etc., etc. It's a long story. And finally, finally, we were able to see it fly uh, in 2001. Now, this particular aircraft actually represents the resurgence or revival of the aerospace defense infrastructure as far as the aircraft is concerned in the country. And several, several new things and novel things were done. It was a huge gap to bridge. Before this, the only indigenous uh, fighter aircraft that was designed by HL engineers was way back in mid-60s at the Marut aircraft. And after that, there were hardly any uh, efforts to go for indigenous design. So there was a huge gap to fill. And uh, therefore, it took a little bit of time and it was very challenging. Um, <clears throat> the, the person who is actually behind this project is also right now in the call with us. So I'll be very happy if uh, there are any specific questions regarding uh, LCA Tejas, uh, I would request Dr. Kota, who is in the um, audience today, to take those questions. Uh, he will definitely be able to answer much better than me. But uh, under his leadership, actually, we transformed the entire defense sector in the country. An example of that is how the whole country was involved in developing the required technology. As most of you might know, Bangalore happens to be the hub of aerospace activity in the country and therefore as you can see large number of agencies from Bengaluru as it is called now uh, were involved but virtually every part of the country was involved right from uh, you know Chandigarh where they developed the head up display and other systems and right to uh, you know Hyderabad Chennai so you name it name an institute of eminence in the country IIT Kharagpur, IIT Bombay, IIT Kanpur, they were all involved, IIS in Bengaluru. So this was the vision of involving the whole country into the development of an indigenously developed military aircraft. Now, built on the uh, you know, success of LCA aircraft, there have been many, many other uh, activities which are happening. Uh, the current activity is uh, the advanced AMC, the advanced medium combat aircraft, which is a stealth multi-role fighter. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> this is expected to be sixth generation aircraft. And currently the prototype is under development and we are very hopeful that in a few years from now, we would be witnessing the launch and the first flight of MCAR. Uh, we are also looking at an interesting uh, development of the Tejas aircraft, which is the twin-engine deck-based fighter aircraft. LCA also has a naval version, uh, but that's a modification of the basic LCA for the Navy. Here, this aircraft is actually a further development, and we expect it to be launched in about four or five years from now. Okay, So this is another very interesting thing. As you can see, it has got... Uh, 
uh, a hinge on the wing to fold the wing so that it can be accommodated and that is also a canard. So this is another interesting project that is going to be coming. Now I'll move on to some of the helicopters which have been developed in the country. Uh, one of the most ambitious uh, helicopter projects in the country with the uh, you know uh, hingeless rotor and composites uh, all over the place was the Dhruv uh, helicopter. Uh, more than 300 have been built, very successful product. There are also some uh, export orders for this uh, helicopter and there is a huge demand for it. So this is currently in service and uh, quite a few of them have been built. Uh, Rudra is an armed helicopter which uh, is uh, developed for the Indian Army. Uh, then all these, uh, you know, are activities. Then there is a light combat helicopter, which is a multi-role combat, multi-role attack helicopter. This is also in service right now, and uh, it's very popular in the air shows. I I've seen several uh, air shows in which we have seen the formation flight of the LCH. Uh, then there is also a light utility helicopter, which uh, is also in production, and uh, this is. Uh, essentially uh, a utility helicopter so uh, you know we had a, we had uh, an experience of uh, fighting a war in the mountains uh, in 1999 and you know based on the lessons learned and the limitations of the current helicopters many many design changes have been made and a light utility helicopter has also been developed um, then we have uh, Indian multi-role helicopter, which is one of our most ambitious current ongoing projects. Uh, this is expected to fly in about six, seven years from now. Uh, what you see is a small mock-up of this particular helicopter. So these are some of the very, very interesting and uh, upcoming helicopter projects in the country. All of these are spearheaded by uh, experts in uh, HAL. We have also made uh, trainer aircraft and uh, you know I, I have worked on uh, the ones on the bottom left and the bottom center very briefly. Uh, the HP-32 Deepak aircraft is an ab initio trainer. We used to manufacture this in HAL Kanpur when I was a fresh young engineer and then there was a turbo version of that the HTT-34 and then HTT-40 which has been developed. Uh, HJT Kiran is basically our uh, first jet exposure that our pilots get is on HJT 16 Kiran but now there is an intermediate jet trainer also which has been so you see the, the success of one program automatically leads to uh, improvement and shortening of the time for development and fabrication and production of successive projects a very good example of that is HJT 36 in which uh, from the conception to the metal cut, the time taken was, I think, just about 20 months, which must be a kind of a record. Uh, and all that thanks to the ecosystem and the research uh, expertise developed as part of the LCA program. So that's how uh, technological developments lead to improvements in the subsequent projects. We are also entering slowly into our own passenger transport aircraft programs. Uh, the one that you see on the screens is the SARS project, which was an extremely ambitious project. It is an extremely ambitious project spearheaded by the National Aerospace Laboratory, about which I will talk to you very soon. The SARS project uh, envisaged to look at technologies which were very, very forthcoming, like you have a pusher configuration, you have a natural laminar flow aerofoil, you have a clean wing, 
and you know it's, it has got many many innovative features of course there was a setback like in every aircraft program there are sometimes setbacks so there was a setback there was an accident which led to uh, the program going into a limbo for some time but now it is back on the anvil and uh, we are very upbeat about this particular activity uh, going further um, HL is also uh, you know we also worked on UAVs now these are not all from HL okay I'll talk about it a little bit later uh, the next uh, organization I want to talk about and I've already spoken to you a little bit about it is the National Aerospace Laboratories or NAL for short uh, which is also headquartered in Bengaluru. This is an agency which comes under the uh, CSIR, Center for Scientific and Industrial Research. And uh, looking at the number of uh, employees, it's a very small organization for the kind of technological uh, work that they do, which is actually very, very ambitious. Uh, NAL also has collaboration with a large amount of international agencies based in US, Russia, Czechoslovakia, Canada, China, Germany, USA. And um, also, you know, it has got a lot of uh, impetus now to look at these uh, transport aircraft. So SARS Mark II that you see on the top is uh, the resurrection of the SARS project. And that is what is going to be taken up now for our commuter aircraft program. And on the bottom, we have Hansa, an Abidishiot aircraft that is meant to be used for pilot training in the flying clubs in the country. It's a composite airframe and a very ambitious design. Uh, the commuter and regional aircraft in India are currently, if you look at the landscape from less than nine seats to more than 50 seaters, you will see that uh, most of them are uh, actually either, uh, you know, either they are uh, imported or they are uh, perhaps built under license. For example, the Donia 228 aircraft. But now we have all the design and manufacturing rights with us and we are going in for civil certification. But there is going to be a foray in uh, all these uh, segments. So, so small GA aircraft, there is a Hansa, which I mentioned to you, as well as the uh, one of the private companies in association with NAL is uh, developing a small five-seater aircraft. And... Uh, we are trying to now re-engine and uh, refurbish HS748 old aircraft into a, you know, into a indigenously developed uh, medium capacity transport aircraft, regional transport aircraft. And in the in the regional aircraft, both uh, turboprop as well as uh, turbofan, we have a very ambitious project called as the regional transport aircraft RTA. So that is what we are going to look at and a lot of energy and effort is going to be uh, spent in developing an indigenous uh, aircraft for meeting our own requirements. As I mentioned to you in the beginning, the maximum growth is going to be, you know, seen within the country in domestic aviation and many, many of the routes are actually going to be only short haul or medium haul routes for which uh, aircraft like the 50, 90, 70 seater uh, are going to be the ones that will corner the entire market. And hence, we are very upbeat on this particular activity. We have in the in the middle of getting a, approval from the government for a full-fledged effort in this area. So these are the uh, aircraft about which I spoke to you. Uh, the Hansa aircraft, which is the general aviation aircraft, the CNM-5, the five-seater aircraft, the SARS and uh, the 
one that we are expecting the regional transport aircraft which is going to be which is currently under the conceptualization stage moving ahead nal also makes uh, designs and makes a few uavs there are a few which are very small uh, and we have done a lot of prototyping on that there are also the classical quadcopters octocopters etc which are being developed um, recently nal has uh, successfully developed a composite frame uh, mini uav called suchan you can see it has a ground control station it has got they have their own uh, autopilot called as a nal pilot and they have also developed uh, you know the cameras uh, it's a dslr camera without any mirrors or without any lenses okay so such kind of innovative activities are taken up by uh, our research laboratories um, one more interesting development was a lightweight wankel engine a single shaft engine which is used to power some of our tactical uavs uh, and there are versions of that under development also this also has been done by the national aerospace laboratories the propulsion division moving ahead let's now look at uh, an organization called as the defense research and development organization which was formed around 11 years after we gained independence and today it's a huge organization with more than 50 laboratories spread all over the countries with a large uh, amount and also drdo is one organization that is constantly and regularly hiring new engineers because they are entering into various kinds of domains many of those things i actually cannot even talk about because of the strategic nature of the activities but i am going to talk about only what is publicly available so let's first start with the technologies of uavs uh, drdo has developed a large variety of uavs and some of them are still under development Uh, the one on the left lakshya fluffy abhyas ulka these are four uavs which are actually targets for various applications netra is a small quadcopter uav which has been developed by drdo in association with a company that actually is a startup company out of our institute out of my institute so we are very proud about that okay i'll talk about it nishant pawan imperial legal kapotaka rustam uh, these are all uavs okay and ghatak is a very interesting uh, aircraft about which i'll talk to you so lakshya is the first of the targets uh, which has a single jet engine mounted below and it can also be uh, used to carry other smaller targets as you can see when i started my career in iit uh, one of the first research projects i did was on uh, applying a technology of upper surface blowing or usb on an aircraft on a on a target like lakshya to reduce its uh, wing area so very challenging project uh, abhyas is another uav which is a target uh, netra i mentioned to you about netra uh, it's a surveillance and reconnaissance purpose and um, the company which has developed it was uh, in association with drdo is actually as i mentioned uh, a startup out of my institute uh, my students uh, have actually played a major part in developing this uh, uav and we are very proud of that fact that uh, students of our uh, department actually have gone ahead and taken up practical projects taken whatever they learned in the classroom into real products imperial legal is a hand launch uav <coughs> where we are right now working on developing uh, a variation of this particular uav with what is called as inflatable wings so that we can easily pack this aircraft and carry it okay, that project is still going on Nishant is uh, one of the first UAVs that uh, was developed in the country. 
and uh, this one has been re-engined now with the Wankel engine about which I spoke. So there are many versions of Nishan. There is a wheeled version called as the Panchi. Again, we are working on that particular design. We are working on Panchi design to look at if we can increase its endurance by putting some kind of inflatable wing tips uh, on that. That project is still going on. Uh, Rustam 2 is a medium altitude long endurance uh, UAV. Uh, which has also been uh, flown and tested. Uh, Ghatak is an unmanned combat aerial vehicle. It was actually called as Aura, A-U-R-A in the initial years. Now, this is a, a very, very challenging, very stealthy, uh, stealthy aircraft with, um, you know, weapons. So, it's a UAV which will be armed with weapons and really I can't talk much about it. Uh, but it's a very ambitious project and we are also very upbeat about it. Our department has played a lot of role in doing studies regarding this particular aircraft, especially one of my colleagues who happens to be an expert in predicting the stealth signatures. Moving on to the DRDO's missile technology. Uh, DRDO has developed a huge range of missiles. Uh, on the left, we see the missiles which have been developed under our so-called IGMDP program which uh, Dr. Kalam uh, spearheaded and under his uh, stewardship and his able leadership uh, most of these have been uh, developed. Okay and on the right hand side we see some other uh, projects some are very ambitious and some have already been completed. So um, the first missile system I would like to talk about is the Prithvi surface-to-surface -surface missile and there are many versions of Prithvi with different ranges. Uh, in the center you see the Dhanush missile, on the right you see Agni, even Agni also is, uh, there are many many versions of Agni and uh, one can actually look at the details, uh, we don't have time today to really go into the nitty gritty of each of these missiles. Uh, but what I would like to share is that the development in the space technology through ISRO in our country was directly useful in leapfrogging and developing advanced missile systems. Uh, so on the propulsion side, we were lucky that and on the control side also we were lucky that we had technology available from ISRO. But uh, on the seeker and on the other complicated uh, systems, our scientists and engineers really did a lot of uh, yeoman service to the nation by developing these systems. Uh, <clears throat> Agni 2 and Agni 3, as I mentioned, are larger versions of the same Agni missile. Uh, here you see them on a parade in the Republic Day or the Independence Day function, which happens uh, in New Delhi every year. Uh, this is Agni 4. Akash is a surface-to-air surface missile and it's a battery of missiles. Uh, which also is uh, quite a successful one. Then we have um, a, a special beyond visual range missile called NAG, which is an anti-tank missile. And then we have Trishul also. Uh, going ahead, we have this uh, very interesting partnership between India and Russia, uh, named after two famous rivers in each country, Brahmaputra in India and Moskova in Moscow. So this Brahmos is a truly remarkable missile which actually can be, and now we have integrated this missile on our aircraft as well as on, um, you know, several systems. So it's a very successful partnership between two nations and uh, 
Nirbhay is another missile which is very uh, recently developed one. Uh, then there are some other specialist missiles like Sharia, Prahar and Barak 8. And the one which I want to talk about a little bit is uh, the Astra missile, which is uh, from, you know, it's air to air missile. So it's a, you know, uh, very, very interesting uh, product, which uh, makes our aircraft very lethal in air to air combat. So we are very proud about this particular missile, which was completely indigenously developed, designed and developed within the country. Then there are some other uh, recent missiles, VLSR, SAM and QRSAM. These are SAMs. Okay, these are SAMs missiles. Now, the other most ambitious and most forward-looking project, which is the future, is the hypersonic uh, technology development vehicle because there is a plan to develop a hypersonic cruise missile in the country. What you see on the top right is uh, essentially a you know, a rendered view of that particular missile. And what you see on the left is actually a model that was on display at one of the air shows in Germany. Exactly two years from now, from today, to the date, 12th of June 2019, was the first testing of this particular missile, which flew at a Mark 6. Okay. And... Uh, Recently, on I think 7th of September last year, 2020, um, the testing of this missile was done attached to our, uh, you know, launch uh, launch rocket, and uh, it was uh, there was a 20-second hypersonic flight achieved successfully, and uh, we are again very upbeat about this particular uh, technology and this particular project and this is going to eventually lead into uh, the hypersonic cruise missile. hypersonic cruise missile. I like to move on to a few other companies which actually are providing ancillary support or um, electronic uh, avionics support to our aviation program. They don't make aircraft but they make avionics, radars and weapon system. One of them is the Bharat Electrical Limited or BEL as we call it. Uh, it was uh, founded quite a few years ago, but it was entrusted with uh, the aviation related products, mostly the missiles and weapon systems. Uh, let me showcase to you a few key products of BEL. Uh, the one on the left is a weapon locating radar, which is mobile. And the one on the right hand side is a battlefield surveillance radar, which is lightweight and portable. Uh, BEL has also produced a Doppler radar, which can be used for weather uh, data prediction, monitoring of uh, cyclones and other weather patterns, as well as for military and defense applications. And there is also a central acquisition radar, uh, which you can see on the right hand side. Another company about which I want to speak, which also comes into a kind of a partnership is the Bhadar Dynamics Limited a company that uh, produces ammunition and also the missile systems. Uh, again, it's a small company, around 3,000 employees as of March last year. And uh, BDL uh, has developed uh, an array of uh, torpedoes and some indigenous missiles. For example, Milan 2T is an anti-tank infantry missile, 
and Concourse M is a wire guided anti tank missile which has got an aerodynamic uh, optimization. So these are uh, some of the products and of course there is as I mentioned there is a lightweight torpedo. Let's now move on to some of the activities which are happening in the private sector in the country and uh, I must apologize that there are many many more companies but I really did not get time to put together all their information and plus some of them are just upcoming. These are some of the major defense companies in the country which come under the private sector. The first I want to talk about is the Tata Aerospace and Defense uh, which started in 2007 uh, as advanced system because there was a there was an earlier uh, another uh, you know uh, company but then it became Tata Advanced Systems or TASL in 2007. Basically the aim of this is to go for uh, the support to the Make in India program. It's a trusted partner to the MOD and the DRDO. They have developed small UAVs. They are now developing large unmanned system and now they are going to be uh, developing military radar. They are going to produce military radar. This is the first private sector company in the country to start producing military radars. It uh, draws its uh, expertise from the house of Tata's which is by far India's most respected industrial house. <clears throat> Reliance Defense is a relative uh, newcomer uh, to the aviation uh, sector in the country. Uh, they have joint ventures with Dassault Aviation and now with this they are they have got a new uh, activity of uh, preparing the uh, you know Rafale and the Falcon engine doors. They also have an association with Thales of France. Uh, they have successfully upgraded the glass cockpit for the HAL DO228 aircraft and now they are also working on design and development of indigenous systems. Okay, uh, Mahindra Aerospace, as I already mentioned, have partnered with the National Aerospace Laboratories to jointly develop a five-seater transport aircraft. They have uh, manufacturing plants in Australia. They recently acquired some manufacturing facility in Australia, and they have also developed some uh, <coughs> infrastructural uh, facilities in uh, in Karnataka in India. So they are also quite upbeat. Uh, Adani Defense and Aerospace has also uh, shown interest in associating with various uh, established manufacturers and trying to make India self-reliant. So they are looking at UAVs, small arms and ammunition and aircraft services and MROs and they have a lot of association with some other ecosystem partners plus they have tie-ups with many many countries worldwide. But the big daddy of the Indian private aerospace sector without any doubt happens to be a company called as Larson and Tubro. Uh, some people may think that this company is basically a foreign company with an Indian office but no it's a complete Indian company now and its activities are actually touching almost every domain of the Indian defense sector. As you can see by this collage which they have very and I'm very, very happy that they have shared with me uh, to showcase. So they are into ships, missiles, submarines, rocket, UAVs, tanks, you name it and they are into it. And uh, they're going to be one of the very big players of uh, the, the aerospace sector in the country. 
There are many, many startups in India which are coming up in a big way. This slide is about startups related to the space. So there are some which are focusing on satellites such as Dhruva Aerospace about which I'll talk to you. There are some which are associated with launch missions like Skyroot about which I will speak to you. And then there are some like, you know, some subsystem suppliers which are associating and supporting these two uh, launch and satellite focused uh, companies. About the UAV, now I would need another one hour or so to talk about the emergence of the unmanned aerial vehicle ecosystem in the country because there are more than 100 companies which have been set up in this, uh, in this particular area in the country and so many of them, here you see a few of them, but there are so many of them which have come up and every day we come to know about some company which has tied up or some company which has emerged to address this particular field. So UAV startups are coming in a big way because it is expected that the UAV market is going to be almost to the order of a billion dollars in this country annually. Okay. So therefore, there is a huge, huge uh, impetus to start uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, I'll talk about a couple of uh, private sector space companies, just a few of them, you know, because of the paucity of time. Uh, Dhruva Space is a company which was founded just a few years ago, around nine years ago. And their aim is to develop satellites, small satellites for the commercial academic market and the government market. A lot of academic institutes in the country are interested in nanosats and student satellites. Okay, so the nanosat platforms, uh, you can see they have helped in developing more than six small satellites and more than five uh, you know, sensors. Then there is Skyroot Aerospace, again started a few years ago in Hyderabad. Hyderabad is emerging as one of the key centers of aerospace ecosystem development in the country. Uh, it's, it's also because of the fantastic infrastructure which is available and also the ecosystem and the technological abilities of the people who belong to that particular area. So a lot of new development is happening in Hyderabad. Uh, this company is inspired by, by uh, Elon, Musk, Elon Musk. They are looking at commercial launch services, but principally for small satellites, not for carrying passengers across the continents like Musk wants to do in SpaceX. They are looking at small satellites. Uh, if you look at their uh, current capability, they are aiming at satellites from 225 to 720 kg in polar and low earth orbits. Uh, this year they signed an MOU with ISRO. So now they will be having access to all the ISRO facilities and that can leapfrog the development of private aer uh, space ecosystem in the country. Uh, I would like to now move on to, uh, to give you an idea just like the AIAA in, uh, in the US, we also have some organizations and societies in the country that deal about aerospace. Uh, the primary society is the Aeronautical Society of India of which I am a member and also uh, very actively involved since the last 30 years. There is also an Astronautical Society of India. Both of these are related to aircraft and space systems uh, respectively. Uh, I also will talk about two other agencies. One of them is called as the MRO Association of India which is focusing on the maintenance, repair and overall business. 
uh, and CRT. Uh, so I'll talk about these very briefly. So first about the aerospace societies. Um, the Aeronautical Society of India was founded just a year after our independence and it is headquartered in New Delhi. It focuses on civil aviation and aerospace engineering and uh, it is a member of the International Council of Aerospace Sciences, the ICAS. And one of the special features of the society is that it brings out a peer-reviewed quarterly journal called as Journal of Aerospace Science and Technologies. Uh, this journal is uh, geared up to allow aerospace engineers and aviation uh, personnel in the country to share their knowledge. And you know, if you look at the if you look at the journal, you will find that. Even the people who are from the space community are now missiles, rockets, etc., helicopter. They are also publishing their articles in JUST. Okay, the Astronautical Society of India is um, <clears throat> principally driven by ISRO and founded in 1990 in Bengaluru. It's there in the ISRO headquarters. It looks at the astronautics part of the development and the space program. So unlike AIAA, which has both of them together in India. So far, we have two separate societies, one dealing with aerospace, the other dealing with the space program. The Astronautical Society of India is a voting member of the Institute of, uh, I think, IAF Paris. Okay. And uh, there are also a few other organizations. I'll talk only about two of them. One of them is CIT, very important because it was founded in 1991 at Bangalore, principally driven by the HAL and the other Bangalore-based ecosystem. It's an aerospace industry association, okay? And it creates awareness about the business opportunities in aerospace in the country. It is a spokesperson for the industry requirements and all the technology development programs which uh, take place. So it's a very interesting organization. The MRO Association of India is a trade organization founded in Mumbai, where I stay about 10, 11 years ago. Uh, the main purpose of this is to lobby for the MRO trade industry because we have realized that huge amount of business is going away from India because we do not have a very good MRO infrastructure and ecosystem. So now things are changing slowly. Uh, uh, this particular organization, thanks to the MRO association, lobbying with the government they have uh, been able to open up many inroads the aim of uh, mro association of india is to promote stimulate and encourage the advancements and also they are raising funds for the training of expertise and manpower in the area of mro which will be needed as the industry booms you will definitely need a lot of uh, trained and certified manpower okay as you all know aviation is a very very regulated activity so, you know, everybody has to be certified. So, therefore, it's very important to create a pool of resources to train the, uh, the manpower, specialized manpower. Coming now to the last two aspects about my presentation, I'm going to stop very soon. I'll talk about some aerospace institutes in India which deal with education and research. So, on the top are the six institutes in the country, including mine, uh, where, you know, the best of the um, aerospace engineering students of the country end up in uh, the, the topmost institute in the country and now in the world for research uh, is the, you know, the Indian Institute of Science. Uh, I'm very happy to share with you that 
recently it was uh, given the rank of best in the world for research and you know uh, technical contributions iit bombay where i uh, teach is uh, ranked as the best engineering college in the country or the best technical institute in the country iit kanpur iit madras iit khadakpur are also very very well established in fact i have done my masters from iit madras and iist is a very interesting institute a special institute set up by department of space uh, strongly supported by isro where they focus mainly on developing the young manpower for the space program in the country and uh, interestingly they don't charge any tuition fees they only charge the money for the hostel accommodation and the the top students you know of the batch there are they have about 120 seats in the undergraduate program and approximately 90 80 90 of them are directly appointed in isro as scientists as soon as they graduate so this is a very beautiful initiative by the department of space to create an institute tailor made for the space program uh, the second rung of institutes in the country which belong to the government sector are uh, the punjab engineering college where i did my undergraduate studies and then there are a few other institute there is mit which is the oldest institute in the country to produce uh, you know undergraduate aerospace engineers and dr kalam is an alumnus of this institute Uh, we also have a defense institute of armament technology diat which is the deemed university uh, defense institute of advanced technology now it's called and uh, they are training the scientists from drdo as well as they are opening up to the other uh, public and then there is another institute in uh, a place called shippur in west bengal which comes under the public universities apart from this due to the fantastic growth in aviation and the projections several private institutes have opened up in the country there are so many that if i put their logos i will require maybe 20 slides just to put the logos because there are i think more than 200 of them okay which are there which offer an aerospace i have just chosen a few of them at random with no i'm not recommending any of them as you know a preferred choice i just put the list based on whatever i could manage there are quite a few of them which have opened up all over, all over the country okay so this is just the landscape of the aerospace education and uh, research in the country and finally i'd like to uh, end by talking to you about a very interesting design competition that the aeronautical society of india has launched uh, based on our aim to develop the you know the manpower the trained manpower and uh, experienced manpower in design for the country so let me give you a quick background in name of nagdec uh, it's a dedicated competition for aerospace engineering students we are very choosy we do not open the competition to other students we only open it to aerospace engineering colleges uh, i am very happy to share that this particular competition is inspired and adapted by the aiwa team aircraft design competition uh, when i was in virginia tech i had the honor of supervising a team for this particular competition i was very much impressed by the way it is conducted and that uh, you know implanted a seed in my mind that when i go back to india i'd like to start a competition and that came to fruition in 2017 uh, thanks to the design division of the aeronautical society of india uh, which is promoting this particular institute and dr kota uh, is the patron of this particular activity 
uh, he is the one who drives this whole activity. Uh, we would like to encourage design thinking and systematic analysis in our students and we would like them to tackle the challenging and futuristic problems. Okay, so we give them problem statements and uh, through this competition they learn how to work in a team and try to address a problem. And also they get a chance to interact with some of our aircraft design specialists uh, like uh, Dr. Kota, Dr. Pahit, Professor Sudhakar, all these people are very very well established aircraft design specialists in the country and they get to interact with them uh, mostly as judges. So just to give you a rough idea, we started the competition 2017-18 and the first problem given was a multi-role MCBN aircraft which could be used for transporting passengers, tourists or uh, for uh, you know the search and rescue missions in the offshore uh, Bombay High. Recently we had a very very bad uh, cyclone and that cyclone created a lot of problem in that area and I wish we had an aircraft like this available. Then next year we went into a high altitude unmanned aerial vehicle for aerial mapping of the coastal line of the country. Uh, subsequently we gave them a problem of a high altitude platform for communications coverage and uh, right now they are working on a problem which is to do with intercity electrical vertical takeoff and landing air taxi aircraft or ICE Vitola in short. So this is our foray into the uh, you know urban air mobility sector. There are a lot of companies in India who are looking at urban air mobility in a very very strong way and inspired by that is uh, what we are uh, trying to do. Uh, so I think with that I would like to uh, stop but before I do that I have a very pleasant task of thanking the people who have been instrumental in sharing the material with me and giving me uh, some information and hints and pointers for today's presentation. Uh, so all of them are listed here. Thank you so much. Uh, some of them I'm sure are also in the audience today. So thank you so much all of you, especially Dr. Kota for being with us throughout whenever we do any such activity. And at that I would like to stop and I would like to open up the floor for any queries. Thank you so much for your attention. I've been speaking now for more than about an hour and 15 minutes. I apologize if it has become a little bit long, but there is so much to cover and so much to share. And I apologize. I have to leave out many, many interesting things, but let's open up for any questions. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. This is really a very thorough and very exciting, very vibrant development in India. Uh, so, Dr. Raymond, you want to say something or you want to... Just just thank you so much, Dr. Pant. That was marvelous. Your presentation was excellent and uh, I learned a lot of things. So, thank you so much. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Then, then so if it's okay, we're going to uh, start the Q&A. So, you are also highly welcome to comment if you see something you would like to say. Uh, so let's uh, <clears throat> start with Mark. So Mark, go ahead. Oh, Mark, oh, you say your microphone is not uh, working. So he, his question is basically, uh, he's asking if there's any manned mission like the landing Indian astronaut on the moon. Can you comment about this? If any upcoming Indian manned missions? Yes, yes, there is there is a plan to do it. The Gaganyaan mission basically is for that purpose. Earlier, you know, 
as is prudent, we would first like to fly by and do an orbiter and then eventually land. So yes, there is definitely uh, there is definitely a plan, but uh, not in the immediate future. I mean, the Gaganyaan is the one that is the most one. Okay, any other any other point? There are a few people who have uh, asked questions in the chat. But let's open the floor for verbal questions first. Sir, good evening, sir. Yes. Sir, can you share your PPT, sir, just now in what you have uh, explained now? There is a slight problem, sir, because a lot of material has come from the organizations about whom I spoke. Uh, but I believe AIAA is going to make the recording of this PPT in this particular session available online. So uh, I would okay. I would uh, not be able to share the presentation unless I take an explicit approval from all these agencies, which will take time. But uh, the PPT okay. will be available in a recorded version on the AIAA website. Isn't that right, Ken? Yes, yes. Yeah, recording will be shared with your permission. Yeah, yeah. Recording, I don't have any problem. See, when I spoke to them, I said that uh, recording is something that will be done, so we cannot stop it. Uh, but sharing of the material, I don't know. And that is why I even told AIAA that I will get back to you later. Okay, well, we'll do that. Okay, so the next question is by uh, Ashwani Sharma. Uh, so could you go, go ahead, Ashwani? You, you are muted. Ashwani, go ahead. Okay, that doesn't speak out. Okay, so let's see. Um, Fraxen. Let's see. Next next question is from uh, from Fraxen. Fraxen, go ahead. You should be able to speak out. Hello, sir. Yes, please go ahead, Fraxen. Uh, sir, what are the internship opportunities uh, are available for the students in aeronautical engineering? Like I have just finished my second year. Oh, there is absolutely no shortage of internship in, uh, opportunities. The See, the only problem is if you write to the industry, uh, many of them have some regulations regarding, uh, you know, not not access, not giving access to uh, not giving access to uh, people who are not cleared. But now what has happened is I know, for example, that HAL is actually proactively offering internships. Uh, when you look at private companies, they are actually more open to give internships because they need a lot of manpower to work on the nitty-gritty of their projects. So it will be easier for you to get internship in some of these private companies rather than uh, in many of these uh, public sector companies. And also you can try some educational institutes. I, I take a lot of interns. I mean, as I speak to you today, I am supervising something like 18 interns working with me on different aspects. Okay. 
so faculty members take a lot of interns and through them they explore newer and newer areas uh, the second option would be some private companies and i can help you in that if you can send me an email i'll be very happy to help out with uh, suggesting to you some internships uh, thank you sir uh, sir i'm from uh, mit manipal uh, no problem so you can contact me via email and i'll be able to help you thank you so much sir okay so next is uh, mr james ready so uh, jim go ahead you can speak out oh uh, oh um just a quick question regarding that uh, st uh, sky root uh, companies in india um, are they kind of planning on being the spacex of india um or do they plan to do something similar to starlink uh, not not exactly i was just mentioned mentioning that in jest because see they are only focusing on launching small satellites and as you saw the largest that they are aiming is around 720 kilograms okay so i don't think they are right now planning to launch human beings in space and they are not planning to do something like spacex but yes they are looking at recoverable rockets uh, eventually eventually not now right now they are working on disposable rockets but they want to uh, they want to enter into the private sector ecosystem of rockets right now all the rockets that are made in the country are made generally by by isro by the indian space research organization uh, they are uh, aiming to enter into that particular uh, ecosystem what well, does the um we the starlink and the communication satellites for starlink uh, is there any uh, company that uh, wants to get into that area with thousands of uh, low earth orbit and mid earth orbit satellites yeah so they are looking at low earth orbit and also polar orbits right now uh, but for small satellites thank you thanks okay. a lot james uh, yeah thank you also uh, the ashwani sharma are you ready maybe okay. you can just uh, type your answer in the chat if you are not able to connect the audio okay ashwani asked a question you say professor you have described in detail excellent progress in air airframe development can you share what is the status of jet engine development in india ah that is a serious problem i was discussing today with an expert and uh, you know the the development of jet engine actually in the country especially for a military aircraft of the class of our tejas aircraft has lagged behind now there are several reasons for that i mean i don't want to get into all the nitty-gritty because as i as i mentioned to you it will require another lecture not by me by an expert by other experts who are more knowledgeable about what is lagging but the reality is that unfortunately we have not been able to develop uh, our own indigenous military class jet engine that's a fact we have not been able to develop and it's not easy also so we, we have to give a lot of uh, i mean consideration uh, it's easy to say but the kind of investment that is needed to kick start and sustain an uh, indigenous engine development program is far more than what an aircraft program needs you know i mean uh, uh, 
if you look at for example china the amount of money they are spending every year in creating a jet engine and they are still very far away from one so it's not easy uh, and it needs sustained and huge investment and a lot of and a very strong and a clear mandate with accountability and with responsibility okay uh, so uh, there's a question for uh, say what is the scope of ai ml i think it's artificial intelligence and machine learning in avionics industry in upcoming future huge scope i mean i i just cannot tell you what is going to happen in the future i mean ai and ml are going to revolutionize the way in which we are going to operate maintain design and you know service the aircraft and the aircraft components so we have started working in that area we are we are we are newbies in that area i mean i am myself a newbie in that area but i've just launched a phd um, project with one of my students on the application of ai and ml uh, there was another question in the chat which talked about uh, lighter than air systems i mean uh, because many people know that i work in that area they were expecting probably uh, kedar has asked that question uh, can you please give some information on lta vehicles research that are specifically catering to high altitude regions um, kedar i would suggest that um, you separately contact me because I've done some work in this area and I would like to share it with you, but I didn't want to, but you know, unfortunately we do not have yet an industry in the country on LTA systems right now. All the activities are limited to only research laboratory, uh, like the, there is one research laboratory under DRDO called as ADRDE in Agra. They are the leaders uh, in the country in developing aerostats and now they are also making airships. They are the champions in the country, uh, but there is nobody I know of in the private sector who has the ability. There are many companies who are interested and I am working with some of them who are trying to bring in that particular technology in the country, but the fact is we don't have it right now. So okay. Ken, shall we take some questions from the live audience in the text? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, uh, I basically enable, enable them to, to speak out. Uh, that will be better, actually. Uh, yeah, all okay. of you who have asked questions in the chat window, uh, Ravi Deepak and Shubham Haldar, etc. Better you just ask your questions verbally. Yeah, please, please right click raise hand. So I think it's better you can speak out. Uh, so I think there's, uh, there's uh, SB Prudivi. Could you speak? Yeah. Could you speak out? Yeah. Let's speak, go ahead. SB, can you speak out? SB Pradvi, you can go ahead and speak. Well, he didn't, but okay, he's asking, sir, is there any particular platform for students where we can share our innovative idea? Well, there are many, but I would suggest don't share your innovative ideas. I would suggest if it is something really innovative, why don't you first patent them? Uh, and then, because, you know, if you share innovative ideas, you are actually losing a potential IP opportunity. Your intellectual property is going to be uh, lost away. So my suggestion is if you have a really innovative idea, try to take it to uh, patenting. Okay? And then once you patent it, you can always share it with anybody. 
Okay, so uh, uh, I think the next question is uh, Manish Tripathi. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, Manish, go ahead. Yeah, hello, sir. Uh, sir, uh, firstly, I would like to th thank you for such a great presentation. And uh, sir, basically, my question was that uh, because of the increasing demand for uh, unconventional uh, aircraft technologies, uh, for instance, the solar power technology and the electrical power technology, uh, would you ha do you have any comment regarding this particular uh, uh, future of aviation technology? Like yes. The, the... Uh, yeah, what you say is right. Actually. <clears throat> The future of aviation is going to be sustainable aviation. And as you saw, even before our presentation today, uh, Ken had mentioned about a very interesting uh, event that took place organized by AIAA about sustainable aviation. See, that is the buzzword now. I mean, uh, people are interested in creating aviation systems that do not pollute the atmosphere and, where, and they leave a very, very small carbon footprint. Okay, if possible, zero emissions, but at least very low emissions. And that is also the aim of the NASA, uh, you know, next generation uh, transport aircraft program, etc. And so many companies have done it. Uh, see, what is happening is that even though the polluting effect of aviation today is only about 2% of the total emission, total, total pollutants. But one problem is it happens at an altitude where there is an ozone layer or whether, whether ozone layer can be uh, can cause a problem that is number one and number two is that it's only going to grow okay uh, creation of the clouds because of the contrails itself is a lot of problem it's giving you three times more carbon uh, more uh, you know carbon dioxide emissions as compared to even the fuel emissions so there are a lot of initiatives all over the world and electrical aircraft is one area which is upcoming in a big way so we are also working in that area Many, many companies are uh, trying to develop electrical aviation and uh, we are also working in that area through a PhD student who's going to design. We are looking at India's regional transport aircraft. One of the possibilities could be to make it either hybrid or fully electric if possible. We don't know right now, but it's a, it's a dream to create aviation systems which can um, pollute little or no. Thank you, sir. Okay, next question. What are the further developments of ISRO's reusable launch vehicle? Well, ISRO has a very, very long and ambitious program. Uh, currently, one of the projects which I should have mentioned is a reusable launch vehicle or RLE. I should have mentioned about that. I could not do that because of the, you know, becoming such a large presentation already. So reusable launch vehicle is one very, very ambitious program of ISRO and uh, the, the GSLV and the PSLV are going to become the bulk of their uh, heavyweight launch uh, vehicle programs and there is a continuous improvement in these projects. Uh, weight reduction, increasing the propulsive capability and efficiency. So there are so many such initiatives which are happening. Uh, we are working for ISRO on two interesting projects. One of them is to try and explore Venus atmosphere using a phase change balloon. And also there is a proposal to fly a very large uh, aspect ratio UAV on Mars for surveillance. So there are many such projects which are going on. Uh, 
uh, they will be attempted, they will be taken to a particular level and then later on, if it is successful, they will be implemented. Okay, great. Uh, so next one is Ravi Deepak. Ravi, go ahead. Ravi, you're welcome to go ahead. Hi, thanks, Ken. Um, yeah, and thanks, Dr. Raymer and uh, Dr. Pont, Professor Pont. It, it's great to hear all the progress, and it sounds like very exciting to be over there right now. Um, I was wondering if there's any opportunities for international cross collaboration with your institution, especially for uh, like a future prize in the design build fly of the experimental test aircraft, such as uh, lighter than air vehicles or EV tool. Um, yes. 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 Hundred percent. There is. There is. See, we uh, IIT Bombay actually is very much open to MOU. We have more than I think fifty MOUs already with universities and institutes all over the world. And um, uh, when you have an MOU, then you know the exchange of students and the faculty between the institute becomes very easy. Uh, there are preferential. Uh, facilities available. For example, in my institute, there is a special wing of a hostel, which is reserved for the foreign students so that, you know, they can be given the level of comfort and facilities that they are used to. And also, we also cater to the food requirements uh, of the foreign students. So we have gone and made a lot of arrangements. And uh, there is a there is a there is a dean of international relations uh, in our institute whose office is always open to such suggestions. And uh, as regards collaboration, so we already have many collaborations with uh, several other institutes. Uh, I have myself supervised exchange students from uh, Portugal, from uh, Germany, um, and we get a lot of people from uh, many African countries and also from the US and the UK. Okay. So we do have a lot of uh, uh, interaction already. There are students who come for a semester exchange program and we do transfer of credits. Moreover, our students also can spend one semester abroad and we do equivalence of courses. Uh, as regards working together on these uh, international competitive projects, yes, uh, there is going to be, you mentioned about ladder than air systems. Let me just tell you very briefly. There is going to be something called as a world solar airship race in which an airship will be a solar powered airship has to be flown from a coast of south africa to a coast of uh, brazil and uh, we are now trying to set up a team for that and we would be delighted to associate with other universities in the us or elsewhere who would like to partner and uh, associate with us so the answer is yes i will be i'll be sharing my email in the chat window i'll be very happy if uh, any such association could be Attempted. Uh, great, thanks. So the next one was from uh, Prasad. Prasad, go ahead. Uh, good evening, Professor Pant. This is Prasad. Um, I'm an I'm an alum of Indian Institute of Science and uh, uh, you know from Aerospace Engineering Department. And currently, I work for NASA here in the U.S. on their Mars Space Launch System program. In the okay. you know I'm supporting the hardware in the loop simulation. So someone like me, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see the aerospace industry growing in India. Um, what is that I can do to contribute? To, you know, what is the engagement process? Who would I contact or where do I start? Okay, uh, 
very nice to hear from you uh, there was recently um, an initiative by the government of india called as webhav uh, basically um, this initiative there were there were i think something like 15 20 verticals in the aerospace sector 15 verticals i remember because i was on maybe two or three of them so in that what we did is the government of india reached out to people like you who are who are having indian origin and interest to work with ongoing projects in india and on, on all these verticals there were around 10 to 12 experts uh, who were talking about what is happening so i'll be very happy to share with you what uh, transpires and also uh, you know take it forward there are many avenues available for uh, associating and uh, the government is actually going uh, you know very much ahead in creating such relationships and nurturing them there is a plan now to also create some funds for uh, lateral mobility of short term associations etc I have just sent you my email address in the chat window. I have sent you a direct okay. email. Uh, please, please get in touch with me. I'll be delighted to take it forward. In fact, I'll send, I'll share my email for everybody. Anybody okay. who has any query can definitely contact me. I would love to interact. And Professor Pant, um, what, what is this? Could you spell the organization name? You said uh, web something. Could you spell it for me? Webhub, V-A-I, it's not an organization, it was just an initiation, initiative, ah, okay. V-A-I-B-H, I'll, I'll send you a mail about that, I'll, I'll share oh, sure. with you. I'll, uh, I'll contact you via email, sure. thank you very much okay. for your time. Thanks a lot. Okay, there's a question in the Q&A box, how would you suggest an aerospace and aeronautic aspirant to proceed further in their field if they really have some their own research pointed towards these fields? All right. So the first thing that you should do if you have a real uh, research pointed toward this field is either you should uh, publish your work in one of the AIAA conferences or any other conferences uh, where you can share your work with other experts. Uh, if the work is of really good quality, perhaps you might be able to extend that into a paper in a journal. That is a way in which you will be able to get a lot of uh, leverage as well as visibility about your work and that will be very helpful for you to take it forward so since it's an anonymous attendee i don't know from which country you are and where you are uh, but i would suggest that you take it forward in the form of a nice publication at a suitable conference and i must tell you that aiwa conferences are excellent for that you get a lot of chance to network with that is why as, as dan was saying I always, I'm also a member of AIAA, by the way, and I try to always attend these conferences. There is one happening very soon for which we have submitted a bunch of papers. Uh, it's there in, I think, first week of August, and the papers are due by 22nd of June. So, yes, we are very actively involved in associating with people. Okay, so the next question is uh, Sukasan. Uh, can you speak out? No, I, I, Professor, I don't think he can speak. Can you see his question? Yeah, he talks about CATS warrior aircraft, which is being developed by HAL. I'm actually not aware. Uh, I'm not aware about something called CATS warrior aircraft. Uh, so I really don't know. Okay, don't worry about uh, it. Next, next is, the uh, next question is by Prudvi. Are electric aircraft a boon or a curse? Definitely they are a boon. Definitely they are a boon because they are the ones that allow us to 
sustain our aviation activities without damaging the environment. Okay, next Mark question. has a question regarding the role of yeah. space research in preparation for military conflict with local adversaries such as China. Okay, so uh, yes, but you know, uh, I am I'm not really very much in favor of this space race or military race because there is no end to it. You know, there is actually no end to it. What is more important according to me is to create facilities and systems so that we can tell our adversary that look we have our defense mechanism so if you try something funny we are defended because otherwise the race is endless you know you do something they will do something more and then where do you stop so according to me it's more important to focus our um, you know infrastructure our funds our resources into developing this civil aviation and use our defense activities as a uh, kind of a defense mechanism uh, right uh, anonymous attendee wants to know are there a lot of india political considerations in the assignment of aerospace contracts well i must tell you that it is not just in india all over the world aerospace uh, project contracts because of their big ticket value they are very much prone to you know political considerations and also remember one thing uh, after all, a political consideration need not be only for any, uh, you know, personal gains. Political considerations could also be to keep in mind the safety and the security of the country in the long run. So, therefore, many a times decisions are taken in the best interest of the nation may not be completely in the interest of the local commercial considerations but it could also be in terms of long-term strategic implications so that's why many times you know people don't understand why a particular contract has gone to a particular company or a particular particular country uh, because they forget that uh, a defense contract which spans over a lot of time and it has got severe security implications of strategic nature uh, there is also an importance of how politically well connected the two countries are. Uh, Namanuddin has a question, is there an opportunity for solo human flight like Jetman and Gravity Jet Suit? Why not Namanuddin? The Jetman and Gravity Jet Suits are basically uh, example of solo human flight. But right now they are very expensive and very limited in the duration. So if you want to look at sustained human flight, then we have to wait till the discussion till the till the technology goes into that particular area okay are there any more questions uh, yeah there's a uh, uh saura uh, i think you type a question in the q and a okay i'll just i'll just look at let me see uh, there is a new question which has come from uh, one of the persons what prerequisite softwares and skill does one need if we want to go into the field of designing aeronautical structures and possibly big projects like spec settlements? Uh, okay, so what you need basically, of course, you need you need to have access to some softwares. Uh, to all students who are interested in um, astronautical structures and big projects like space settlements. I mean, if you go into astronautical structures and space settlements, that goes more into architecture. 
so you may you may like to get your hands steady on certain architectural softwares but if you are interested in if you are interested in for example just uh, conceptual sketches for a new uh, configuration of an aircraft i would strongly recommend a software which has been now developed by nasa free of cost called as open vsp vsp stands for vehicle sketch pad and um, open vsp is a free software which nasa has made available to anybody uh, openvsp.org uh, very quickly you can use open vsp to create aeronautical type uh, conceptual uh, designs and it also gives you things like wetted area maybe drag estimation to some extent it can also give you and you can couple it to some other analysis software so i would recommend very strongly that people should learn open vsp and since we have dan raymer also in our uh, uh, in our uh, you know session i would strongly recommend that you guys try out his uh, you know rds student software which is a very very uh, excellent software to get to the grips of aircraft design and it's not at all costly it's available now with uh, with this textbook it is available as a package so we have we have seen our students literally uh, enjoy the aircraft design process by using uh, rds student and i will recommend everybody to acquire a license of rds student which is now sold by aiwa directly okay next i think uh aditya aditya yes, can <laughs> go, go ahead uh hello sir this is aditya from uh, uh, india sir uh, being a undergrad student from uh, like the college from india we find that we lack certain skills which uh, we find difficult when we are applying for chances abroad and uh, even while pursuing masters so can you suggest a few technical skills which have became a mandatory in research field nowadays okay that's a very good question very good question so look uh, if you ask anybody from the aerospace industry in india whether it is hal or nal or drdo or isro they always say oh we are we are looking for good aerospace engineers but there are so many aerospace engineers available but why don't they hire them because unfortunately what you learn in your institute may not be what they need and what they need actually cannot be even taught so easily in the institute so what you need to do as a student is to develop very good fundamental knowledge about the basics of aerospace structures aerodynamics propulsions control and design okay you should be able to and and for that aditya i would recommend if you are an aerospace engineer i would strongly recommend that you should make a team and take part in the nacdec competition go and check online www.nacdec.org look at what designs other previous teams have submitted look at the problem statements and maybe next year if you have not taken part create a team from your college and take part in the competition because that competition will actually address many of these questions it will make you do all these things in a fashion that is geared towards solving a problem and in the end if you do a good job you will be shortlisted and then you can present your work to experts and i know many students who say that thanks to nacdec we have got a very good aerospace engineering job because when we were interviewed and we told about our nacdec work uh, we were greatly appreciated so you know you need to go beyond the classroom and acquire knowledge and skills for all these basic aerospace engineering uh, subjects okay i think uh, 
Kedar has a Kedar has a question previously about Himalaya ranges. So Kedar, go ahead. Yeah, actually, I've answered that question. I told you said, that. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. I've already answered. There is a question from Manushi Gupta. Uh, yeah. She wants to know what is the driving force behind startups to make a significant change in the aerospace industry. Uh, yeah, the driving force. See, if you get cowed down by agencies like NASA and ISRO, which are government funded, then you will not be able to really compete. You will not, not be able to fight them. See, the the driving force behind startups in space program or aerospace program is innovation. Innovation, innovation, innovation. Uh, they are able to come up with concepts or ideas which will be very difficult for these big organizations to take up. Remember one thing, when you have a big organization like NASA or ISRO, they have several chains of command and they also have some kind of a, you know, uh, inertia of course they are open to new ideas but the, the the whole mechanism of getting something through is time consuming okay yes they have done some initiatives to open up ideas to, uh, of the young people but there are there are limitations but when you are in a when you are in the when you are in a private uh, company it's it's very easy for a person to try out and uh, check out some innovative ideas but of course they are going to you require deep pockets if you want to work in the aerospace sector so Saurabh Bagare asked a question, if you were asked to establish an aerospace startup on your own, what kind of startup would you personally establish? Well, uh, I would focus on a startup in which I have the required amount of domain knowledge. It so happens that in the last 20 years, I've been working mostly on LTS systems or UAV. So logically, I would not go into helicopters or I would not go into any other area where I have zero expertise. I would not like to start a missile or a space program. I would like to contribute more into the area where I have some domain knowledge and some experience and some contacts. Because to succeed in a startup, you also need contacts. You also need to know people who know people who know people who can get you projects, who can get you the uh, you know market uh, access as well as who can get you funding and finances to push up your project. So I would stick to areas where I have domain knowledge. Uh, Mohammed Rizwan has asked a question, how to collect space debris? Well, that's a very difficult thing to do. It's very expensive to collect space debris. Uh, and unless, you know, there are some charges levied by the international space organizations on every company that uh, throws away space debris, uh, you know, it's very it's very difficult so there are there is a company in japan a startup company in japan who wants to go out there in space collect the debris and bring it down to earth okay but i don't really understand today what is their commercial model astro scale yeah that is the one i don't understand what is their what is their model commercial model who is going to pay for this uh, unless it is made compulsory it will be difficult to justify commercially sending out an orbiter in space and then collecting space debris and bringing it back Another way of doing it is to bring it down into the lower earth orbit and then it will burn on its own. That's another way. You deflect the space debris from outer space to lower space and once it enters the atmosphere, it will just uh, slowly burn out. But again, that is going to contaminate the atmosphere if you do it in a large scale. So that doesn't really solve the problems. Okay. okay. Oh. Yeah. There's uh, one question in the, from Anonymous, would you like to, or we feel it's uh, too long? 
that's also debris problem. <clears throat> yeah, it's the same thing actually. The question is how is this debris? Uh, how is it? How is ISRO coping up with this problem right now? Uh, it's very difficult to answer this because actually, honestly, there is no pressure on anyone to bring back your space product. So, um, what ISRO is doing mostly is trying to, um, you know, actually, I don't know. I don't know the answer on exactly what ISRO is doing. Uh, we'll have to find out. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much. This is really amazing. And the Professor Panjika provided that. A very detailed overview for the vibrant program and answer all the detailed questions and inspiring all the students. So, really, really appreciate. So, uh, let's thank uh, Professor Pan again. Really appreciate. It's a wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. And thanks to Dan for giving me this, uh, giving a suggestion about calling me. It was really a pleasure. And I'll be very happy. I'm a member of AIWS, so I will be very happy to share my views. I would actually like to sometime talk about the lighter than air systems, which I could not cover and uh, which many people in the audience seem to be interested in. So maybe down the line, yeah, yeah. I'll be very happy to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let, let me know your uh, your schedule. I will be more than happy to arrange. Okay. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. So, so so for folks uh, folks in the US, have... enjoy your weekend. For us, the weekend is almost halfway through. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Dr. Raymer. Also, thank you so much. Thank you, Ken. Great job organizing it. Oh, great pleasure. Thank you. Okay, then. Bye for now. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And thank you uh, just again, the recording will thank be you very much. after the event. Uh, but now the slides, the recording, the video uh, will be posted on AIW website and uh, AIW YouTube channel. So thank you very much again for joining us today. Uh, so look forward to your participation uh, for uh, future AIWA Los Angeles Las Vegas section uh, uh, events. And uh, please do also look into the information about AIWA membership if you are interested. Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, if any question, please, uh, uh, we'll stay down a little bit. You can uh, feel free to ask. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, great pleasure. There are a couple of hands raised still. So yeah, uh, Aditya, I think you raised hand afterwards. Do you have another question? Aditya? Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I just want to ask, like uh, being an undergrad student, we do have a lot of uh, spare time that we can invest. So uh, I had one question, like, uh, is it a wise choice to invest time on the ongoing project just to contribute our part with development or else is it good to take up some new projects such that a new concept could be introduced in the field of research? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I always uh, suggest to students that they should take their work to a logical end, not just start something and do it half-heartedly and then leave it and jump to a new project. So what is the logical end of a project? See, when you do any study or any research, the logical end of that activity is it should end up either as a patent if it's a totally brand new idea or it should end up as a publication. The publication could be in a conference or it could also end up into a journal. So unless you take your activity to one of these levels, actually it's not over and entering into newer areas and trying out newer and newer things is like a master of none and jack of all. So. My recommendation to students is that 
you take up some activity you take up a project take it to a logical conclusion and only then move to some other project rather than jumping from one to the other okay uh, ashwini sharma you can now ask your question sir ashwini ji somehow your audio is not coming yeah ashwini's audio doesn't work yeah he's, although his mic is unmuted but unfortunately there is a connectivity issue looks like uh, i think manish manish raised hand before the end of the the presentation so maybe manish do you want to say something again no sir there was a technical glitch i guess okay <laughs> okay so i guess that's it and this is yeah, somebody we can call it a day now we have already crossed i think the 2 hour period so it's not yeah, a good yeah, idea so to yeah. engage people on a saturday morning okay yeah so thanks a lot thanks a lot and uh, for all all of you who are in this side a very good night and for those on that side a very good day Thank you, Professor. Yeah, for, uh, if, uh, with the topic, you know, the lighter than air. Just uh, let me know that you know the description. Sure, sure, sure. I'll let you. Know. Yes. We'll arrange. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah, you, you are a really great, Professor. Really appreciate. It. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you. So that was a great session. Have a great day. Oh, thank you. Pre much appreciated. Thank you for, thank you for session, joining. Sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for this session. Yeah, you too. Thank you.